Hello, it's Fangraphs Audio, Carson Sestouli. During my tenure as a, as a writer at Fangraphs, contributor to that site, I've written uh, more than one piece that uh, either makes reference to or concerns directly my 91-year-old grandfather, the father of my father, Phil Sestouli. It's also the case that uh, many of these references, or these pieces that concern my grandfather directly, seem to have provided uh, some level of amusement to the Fangraphs uh, or more usually the Knockrafts readership. Uh, now, for a brief time on the East Coast of the United States, ahead of my own sister's wedding this weekend, I had the pleasure of spending an evening with my grandfather, during which he gave me no little advice, treated me to a nice lunch in an area restaurant, and uh, most relevantly to what's happening right now, consented to appear on a special edition of Fangraphs Audio. What follows is the entirety, or almost the entirety, of our 35-minute conversation in the kitchen of his home in Weston, Massachusetts. It's Fangraphs Audio. It features my 91-year-old grandfather, and it begins right now. So this is no big deal, Grandpa. No. Just a normal conversation. But um, I figured that... uh, it's been the case so far that people have been amused by some of the things you have to say to me. Yeah? Yeah. Is that surprising to you? No. Well, you're... (laughs) You're good at... uh, You do give me quite a bit of advice. The two don't take. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll start off... Grip, i got to ask you. You're tapping here. Did I? I didn't realize (laughs) The uh, we just had a nice, uh, just a nice lunch. At uh, we just had a nice lunch at at uh, Grassfields. Grassfields, I always forget that. Grassfields in Waltham. Waltham. I had the veal parmesan. Yeah, you enjoyed it too. I did considerably, yeah. and you had the scallops. Scallops. And they how were, were those? They were very good. Very. And the mixed vegetable was the best mixed vegetable I've had in a long time. And uh, what were? How did this mixed vegetable distinguish itself over others you've had? There was no squash in there. You don't care for squash. <laughs> you're you're a funny Italian gentleman. Both of your parents are, were Italian. Yeah. But you're a funny Italian gentleman in that you do not care for garlic. I don't care for garlic, for onions, for mushrooms. Yes. This, uh. I'm very particular. Makes it difficult for you to enjoy uh, a lot of Italian cuisine. Well, there are some that I don't like. Yeah. Some I do like. Yeah. I had to because my mother was a good cook. Yeah. But did she use a lot of garlic or no? Well, if she did, I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. You know, what if a person were to make a delicious dish for you, yeah, uh, but it had garlic and they said nothing? Well, I have found that sometimes uh, eating something that garlic was in, that I didn't see it or, f- or feel it because it was in the sauce and it, you don't really get the taste of it yeah. directly. Yeah. So... It didn't bother me for some reason. Because there are a lot of things they make uh, Italian dishes have got garlic in Yeah. But, but not only Italians, a lot of people make things that have garlic in them. Well, my wife, whom you know, whom you like, whom you prefer to me in yeah. some ways, 
Where is she from? <laughs> She's from Michigan. I know that. Her family's Irish. Irish and Icelandic, I guess. Icelandic. Icelandic, yeah, but she, she uses... I challenge her, and, and she does it willingly, to use as much garlic as possible. She uses lots of garlic yeah. in her cooking. You like garlic? I love garlic. Oh, jeez. Yeah. How do you eat it? I think it's delicious. Oh, just like onions. I don't like onions. I think onions in a, a, to saute something are fantastic. You don't agree with me? No, I just don't like them. Yeah, I know. I'm a fussy eater, I'm telling you. People can't believe that I'm, I'm not a, I'm, I'm a tad in background. Yeah. Know? Now listen, I want to get to that in a second. First, a question that's a, that a, I think I want to ask you, and I'm interested in your answer, and I hope the listener's interested, the tens, the tens of people who listen to this podcast, Grandpa. Do you understand... Do you do you well? First of all, do you understand what we're doing right now? Are we on stage now? We're on stage. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it. I thought you were just testing me. No, I, well, everything I do for you is a test, Grandpa, and that's right. reciprocated. And I pass all those tests. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you understand? Do you understand what this is? I'm not trying to. This is I'm gathering information. I'm not trying to embarrass you because oh, I think you are. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, but, but, uh, um, because this is, you know, this is something that I do with some frequency. Yeah. And I know that you ask me about my job, uh, yeah. pretty frequently. Yeah. So this is, this is what I do. This is one of the things I do. Usually it's over the phone. Yeah. Like, you know, I talked this morning to, uh, one of my, uh, colleagues. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, because he does some interviews. And I use this. This yeah. is a thing that I do is I yeah. record this audio. I put it up and at least uh, 10 to 20 people listen to it each week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very popular. Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Now, do you understand what I do generally speaking? Or what's your impression of what I do as a job? What's my impression? Yeah, your impression. I didn't know you were working at <laughs> <laughs> No, touche. Uh, I thought you were looking for a job. Yeah, that's very sweet of you, Grandpa. Yeah. Now, if you had to just uh, summarize what it is you think I do, assume I do, what would you say? Well, I think you corrected me once when I said you were a sports r- reporter. You said, no, I'm an analytical writer. Yes. I said something to that effect, and this was a point of contention. Yeah, I know it. I, I thought you still were connected to sports, and you were a sports writer. It's sports analysis. Yeah, I know. Now I know because you kept repeating it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was this happened at your place in Jupiter. Yeah. And you mentioned that you said I'm a sports reporter. I said no. I do. I generally write analytics, or the, at least the site for which I. I write as analytically oriented. Well, I'm not surprised at anything you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I think that's positive. That's I a compliment. Think, I think you have a lot of talent. That sometimes you misplace it. Yeah, and misuse it. But I think you ought to try to play it straight. <laughs> well, you, the other day, some people will know that I said this. That um, after I told you that my wife, who is a talented student. We both know that. Yeah. She just received her master's degree in yeah. French. You were proud of her? I am. Anybody gets master's, but I'd be even more so yeah. with a PhD. Yeah. 
And we have not had a PhD in the family. Right. But we will with her. With her. She's a good investment, you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and, <laughs> but you said to me, after we talked about her briefly, you said, Carson, uh, any advancement in your job yeah. uh, of late? Let me correct you. I said that any advancement or did you get any raise? Yes, that's, yes that was the next thing. And yeah. I said no. Uh, to which you responded, how old are you? <laughs> and I said 32. And you said 32. And then you paused and you said, and you still haven't achieved your goals. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. That's <laughs> why we came around to uh, when you're truly successful. Right. Well, people will not know. Uh, the listen, average listener will not know, certainly, that the, ter- the, the phrase truly successful yeah. is, a, is an well, important you one. you want to explain it to them. It's an important one, I will, <laughs> in the Sestuli family. I believe it originated, oh, it's uh, maybe 20 years old now. Yeah. You, uh, my Uncle Brian. I think yeah. had done something job related, yeah. and you mentioned to him that that while you were proud of him or something to that effect, that he was not yet truly successful. That's right. Right, and uh, this phrase has yeah. gained quite a, a considerable do, amount of popularity in our family. Right. It is used both to pay uh, pay admiration to you, but also to poke a little bit of fun at you as well. I think. Yeah, well, but I'm sincere about that, that fact because you have to, and you have to expect from your people, especially your children, because they all have a potential. Yeah. And the thing is, you got you you don't know when you reach that potential. Yeah. So I will let you know. You will. <laughs> then I will say you're truly successful, well, and you have the ability. You think I have the ability? And the potential is there, but it's. You're 32 now. I don't know when you're going to achieve it, but if you had to, at this point, knowing me from what from what you know of me, if you had to put an over under on my the age at which I will achieve my goals, and what would you say? What age approximately? Well, based on your past performance, it will be perhaps about 40. <laughs> Is that old for you? Is that old to consider? No, in fact, it's younger to me than it is to you. I mean, well, how old? How old were you when you crossed the threshold of success? Well, I think I was forty-five. That was the year. Yeah. How? What? What happened that year in I particular? Was, uh, I was made a man, district manager, and had like forty-five people or more in my office, and uh, and I really. Uh, took that office from being a failure. I turned it around and we were, from that point on, leaders in all aspects of the job. And we should say that you worked for Prudential. Exactly. Prudential yeah. Insurance. No one, yeah. not every, Everyone in the family is acutely aware yeah. of your career path from start to finish, but the listeners will not be. Yeah. It's not... I mean, you know, a good percentage of them will probably know because the name... Philip Sestouli is known to all have the land, <laughs> but in, some of our listeners might not. So, as a courtesy, when you become truly successful, then it may help us to be known through throughout the land even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you worked for Prudential. Yeah. You worked at uh, districts, a couple different ones in uh, Connecticut. 
You yes. worked in Toronto, and in you ended Toronto, up. Toronto, I was promoted in Toronto to a director. Yeah, and then you eventually you ended up in Boston. And I was made a vice president there. Right, and you worked at the Prudential Building, which is yeah. uh, because a lot of still the name Prudential, but that Prudential sold all that with the business. And, and but they made sure they had the right to maintain that name for that building for 100 years. Now, from Fenway Park, you could see the Prudential Building. Yeah, that's but, right. But from the top of the Prudential Building, can you see into Fenway Park? Well, vaguely you can see it, but it's not. It's not a way to watch a game. No. no all right. Um. Well, here's the thing I'm curious about asking you. Now, you grew up in Bristol, Connecticut. Right. Okay. This is this is we're getting towards the baseball related portion. Yeah. Yeah. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. All right. You grew up in Bristol, Connecticut. I think in a neighborhood that was largely Italian, but there were also Irish, Polish. Oh yeah, it was a good, a pretty good mixture. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now I think that today. Uh, Bristol, I would guess, is pretty firmly, I, it's mostly y- Yankees territory. Yeah, well, when I was in Connecticut, I was a Yankee. I came to Boston, and, and I remained for a while, but it's impossible to remain a Yankee around the Boston area, so I decided it's time to switch. Well, that's what I'm curious about. So yeah. you moved, you ended up in Boston, I think, the late 60s, right? Yeah, uh, sixty-eight, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came back about sixty-nine. Sixty-nine, right? So now, so now you're here. You have been a Yankees fan your entire life, really. Yeah. And I guess there are different types of Yankees fans, just like there are different types of other sorts of fans, in terms of intensity, etc. But you say you found it hard to remain a Yankees fan. Uh, I guess being so thoroughly immersed in the Boston area. What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking for you to verify it and maybe uh, develop that point. Oh, then why didn't you ask me to well, verify it? Well, I figured, Grandpa. <laughs> uh, but, you know, your dad, I took him to first Yankee game, and he was so impressed because it was, you know, very active and, and people were very conscious of the Yankees and they always wanted to be a leader and they were for many years. Well, they were quite good then, right? I mean, that yeah. would have been, what, yeah. er, that late 50s, early 60s? Early 60s? Oh, yeah. Right. Er, yeah, earlier than that, yeah. Well, I, in that fact, I remember I purchased a, uh, a what do they call them, a banner with the Yankees on it? A pennant? Pennant. Yeah. And I had it down in the basement, and then before I knew it, it disappeared. And your father took it. Oh, he did? Because he enjoyed the memory of that when right. he went to the game. Well, I think that Mickey Mantle played for the team then. Oh, yeah. And Mickey Mantle was um, it was a fan favorite, I think. And certainly there, there were probably a, a lot of young men yeah. who were taken by Mickey Mantle. Oh, yeah. He would have. Then even a better star, but he, I think he drank a little bit too much. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah. Reports reports have confirmed that, yes, he drank too yeah. much. Yeah, his liver, I don't think, was particularly healthy <laughs> no. by the end. Although, at the end, he did stop drinking, and I think he sort of became an, an advocate uh, 
But I think he died at a young age. Relatively yeah, speaking, yeah. 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 Um, younger than 91. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had a lot of stars that came out of the the Yankee team. Right. Know? So yeah. now, if you were trying to consume Yankee baseball at the time, besides going into Yankee Stadium, right, what would be the most popular way? Would it be just radio at that time? Yeah. Yeah. There was, I don't think, any... Television. I remember the first television set my mother got, which was way back at that time. We were living in, on Crown Street yet in Bristol. This and is when you lived with your mother? Yeah. Yeah. This and is your first television set? Yeah. Oh. And uh, it was really something special to get a, have a TV in your home. And now it's very common, as you know. Yeah. Like, even here we have three of them, I think. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know. But you were, so you were, so what year would that have been approximately? Well, uh, probably it was before I went into the service, and I went into the service in 47 or 8. And so it had to be in the, the, probably the, the early 40s, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe even into the 30s. But uh, it was it was about that time. Yeah. Um, now, were you were you a big? Because we haven't talked a ton about you, sort of as a baseball fan as a younger man. I know you yeah. had a lot of different sort of interests. I'm curious. Did you would you listen to a number of games, or was it sort of on the periphery? For oh you? yeah, everybody. In Connecticut, well, one side of Connecticut, the one that was closer to New York, was Yankees, and there was a side that was Boston fans. It was a side more in the east, close in the east side there, yeah. closer to Rhode Island, or well, closer to Massachusetts, right? So, like, kind of the north half, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you would listen to games, or oh, well, we. TV, when everybody would have their be sitting around them with their heads against the the speaker and listening to it. Even even people would take a small one. They had you know that was about that time. The portable little portables came out, and people would take them their, to their jobs and they'd sneak out and and listen to some of the game. You know. Yeah. Now, do you do you remember being taken in particular? Or I should say, by any sort of player in particular, or any year of the team in particular, or was it just more uh, something that was in the background for you? No, it was something that was everybody somehow were visible. You know, the, the name Yankee was so popular all over town, and the people uh, would be dedicated, uh, you know, listeners and, and in favor of the Yankees. All the time. Yeah. Now, so when you moved eventually, this is fast forwarding by some number of years, you moved here. Yeah. How long did the transition take? Now, because there would have been some special teams Yeah. Uh, 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 for the Red Sox around that time because there was the 1967 team, which was the Impossible Dream team, that uh, was not really expected to be very good and ended up uh, making the World Series losing to the Cardinals. And then there was also in 1975, of course, which would have been eight years later and, you know, about six or seven years after you moved here, I guess, 
that would have been that was the 1975 team that that played the Reds in the World Series. Yeah. Um, and that's the one where where Carlton Fisk hit the famous home run right. where he waves the arms. Now, were you a Red Sox fan by then? Yeah, I was. Do you remember anything? Um, now, I imagine, you know, because you're working with and you're living amongst people who are Red Sox fans. Do you remember your sort of move to Red Sox fandom? Was it was it gradual or would there have been a specific incident? No, I, I get, well, the, what caused me to change, it, it was a necessity because I was go to a game and you'd be surrounded by Yankee fans and you wouldn't even be... By Red, so- by Red Sox fans, yeah. surrounded by Red Sox fans. Yeah. yeah, and you would be hesitant to say you were a, a Yankee fan. Yeah. So uh, I felt I had to change. I right. had no choice because uh, it would have been difficult to... To live in the midst of all Yankees. You'd have a secret. You'd have a dirty secret, Grandpa. Yeah. Now, I know that you also, uh, as a sort of manager and uh, eventually vice president of Prudential, of course, um, I guess uh, uh, there were having relationships, developing relationships with people, with a wide number of people, with a wide variety of people, was important. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, did you find it advantageous in your business relations to be a Red Sox fan as opposed to a Yankees fan or not at all? Well, not too much because uh, that wasn't the most important thing in our lives at this point. We were concerned about our standing, concerned about the business, concerned about making more money. And so, fortunately, I, I had the... Ability to get people to respond, mm-hmm. and as a result, we one year we we led the entire company, and that's not easy to do when you're talking about. I was one vice president out of about forty. And this is uh, in Boston now. Yeah, yeah. You led the company in what? In, in trophy points, we used to call it, but it was the leader in the company. Yeah, so selling, you sold the most, or one assumes? Or? Well, there was a, many factors that go into, because of the trophy system, you have to have not only sell business, but conservation, which is the quality of business that stays in force. And, and so things like the service is, is rendered and so forth. But uh, as a result... We, we we were able to do all these things, and then there was this expense factor. And you see, I had an edge on others because I, in in Toronto, where I was with the Prudential, we were forced earlier, much earlier, to have expense factors that control your expenses. But this generated points, and I and I knew how it worked, so I I, I blew up a large chart. Showing how this can affect us and things that they, I suggested to them to do to help us be number one. And one of them, particular, remember, was if you know, if you had to uh, have expenses uh, that uh, that, uh, that that before the end of the year, you should hold some of these to the following year because it would deduct trophy points. Uh-huh. And see, nobody knew how to do that, but I <laughs> apparently had the edge because I had the experience. Now, is this this uh, method that you're describing? Is this 
Is this illegal? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I would never do anything illegal. Oh, it was. Or it was legal. It was legal. Yeah. Oh, okay, it was legal. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, well, I know you're an honest guy. Well, I think I am. Yeah. Well, I know that you always tell me exactly how you think about me. Yeah, well, you don't mince words, Grandpa. I know. Well, you're a difficult person. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, sometimes I, I don't even recall understanding you. You don't? No. That's very sweet of you, Grandpa. Yeah. 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 Now, I will say about you, Grandpa. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there are people who have watched more Red Sox games than you have over the last 30 years. Yes, I would say so. Or 40 years. But I would be surprised if there were more people than you who had fallen asleep in front of Red Sox games. <laughs> uh, well, you're probably right. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, it's, it's, even though I'm very interested, like the, the other night the Red Sox were playing, and I started, and I get comfortable, and before you know it, I'm, I don't remember anything because I dozed off. This is last night, yeah. Well, yeah. of course, uh, West Coast... West Coast games are difficult. They were playing the Angels. Yeah. West Coast games don't start well, till ten. Late. Yeah. But even some games that start at six o'clock, I would be right. I would sleep too. I went down last night and I woke you up and you were a little startled. It was a yeah. close to two almost, or one thirty maybe, one fifteen maybe. And you said uh, the first thing you said is, "Where's my bed?" That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought I was. In the bedroom, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was looking for a bed. You wanted a bed. Yeah. Yeah. Although I found it difficult to fall asleep again after I was sleeping down here and, and was awakened by... Yeah. By, could you set an alarm downstairs or something? Have you considered something like that? Well, I, yeah. I, I would consider many things because I... One morning I stayed there till three o'clock and I woke up. But most of the time I wake up about 11 o'clock yeah. if, if a game starts at like 6 or 7. And 11 o'clock... You can see the post-game? The post-game uh, coverage? I, I try to, but, you know, uh, you know, you got to consider my age. I always consider it, Grandpa. Uh, well, yeah. uh, so uh, it's easy to fall asleep. Yeah. Because I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You do wake up quite early. Yeah. I know that frequently um, when I visited you, although I will say to your credit, uh, this was not the case today, but frequently in the past when I visited you, you've taken the liberty of waking me up at an early hour. Yes. We especially, we have one door here in the hallway in your house yeah. where there is a bell uh, that can be rung from the outside, but it rings inside the room, like yeah. a little... Like yeah. a bicycle bell almost, yeah. but affixed to the door. Yeah. And you uh, you have on many occasions woken well, me up. Well, that's when I know you should be up. Yeah. And you have something to go to, though, a job or whatever. And so I think I'm doing you a favor to wake you up. Now, this morning, I, I didn't think that was necessary because although you did have some work to do, uh, later, but uh, as a result, I left you alone right. to get that you get all the rest that you want, so you couldn't accuse me of waking you up. I, well, yeah, well, I appreciated it in that instance. I don't know if I told you, but I'll tell you now that I yeah. appreciated it. Well, you should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess uh, before 
before we go, Grandpa, and of course uh, you have to go pack in a second. Yeah. We're about to go visit my father later in a couple hours here. Um, I wonder, I wonder what your thoughts are, because you have uh, you have some expertise in the field of management. Yes. Yes. Um, you have, and you have a number of opinions on the art of management. Yes. Is that a fact? That's right. Yeah. I have a formula. You have a formula? Yeah. Do you want to share the formula now or do you want to wait? Uh, it's up to you. Well, why don't you, go, why don't you, why don't you share well, your formula? It is FFW. FFW. It is fair, firm, and warm. And I'll explain each letter. F, fair all the time. Whether you feel necessary or not, you should always do it. Even somebody who is failing and doesn't deserve it, but you treat everybody fairly. And then firm when the occasion calls for it. And this is the area where a lot of people have trouble. I mean, Frank O, the former manager of... Francona. Francona. Terry Francona. Of, of, the, of the Red Sox, who has successful team for several years they won a couple of, of world series and the thing is he forgot how to be firm there are times the firm calls for it yeah and I, my expression is firm the occasion calls for it and he failed finally because of the fact he didn't know how to be firm it was difficult because it was so easy and you think these players would have appreciated it because, you know, instead they took advantage of it. They took advantage of him and they embarrassed him. Well, that's at least the reports we have, Grandpa. Well, that's a fact. When they had <laughs> Beckett and, and, and the other two pitchers, Lester and I forget the other last one. Beckett? Beckett, Lester? Yeah. All right. Well, what's up? They suddenly they paid a high price for it and never measured up. It was a pitcher, and and so as a result uh, of, of of that, they they, uh, they they were taking advantage. They were drinking beer and, and, and well, get to warm first, and then we'll talk about that momentarily. Uh, well, warm when the, when the, the time calls for it. Where a warrants it, I thought. Huh? Warrants it. Warm. Yeah, that's it. Warrants it. Yeah. I, I even forgot my own formula. And I think the point is here, you, you, you know, there are people that have problems, and you, you should try to understand those people and help them because they're worthy of it. They, they have performed in the past, and they're having a personal problem now, for example. And so you've got to work with them and try to help them. Now listen, regarding last season, right, with yeah. the Boston Red Sox, it obviously ended up horribly. Yeah. There's no debating that. Do you think, though, Grandpa, that situation and the quote-unquote scandal that came out afterwards about some of the behavior in the locker room, etc., would that have been an issue at all if the Red Sox had ended up making the playoffs? Well, it would have been, but it would have been a lesser one than it was because it really the team just went fell apart, and I think it's a shame. And I bet, I bet today they would look back and they would they regret 
the fact that they did do that, take advantage of their manager who was good to them. Right, but I was saying maybe after the fact it only looks like taking advantage. If I'm not mistaken, similar things happened up till then, but they don't become an issue until there's until you're looking for answers to the to the collapse for the Red Sox last year. Well, uh, you're partly right, but uh, it's still it's wrong. Players should be with their teammates out there supporting them, not in another room and doing something else instead of going out there and cheering them. Because where they're in there, when they are in the game, they expect their teammates to support them. Yeah. And so that's wrong. What they've done was wrong. You think you'd be a good baseball manager? Yes. You do? Yes, absolutely. Yeah? You can, when you're a good manager, you know how to manage. Yeah. You can almost manage anything. Yeah. So you can always surround yourself with people who have the technical uh, uh, knowledge, but you can still, though, it's all, it all boils down to the ability to handle people, to get people to respond to you. Not your, your title necessarily, but to you as a person. Uh-huh. And, and as a result, they will respond and they will certainly give you their best. Then you build team spirit. And, and I used to have slogans like, together we can make it happen and things of that nature. You need to find those uh, themes that bring people together. Like a, like you said, having a team motto or a motto or something. Well, uh, yes, well, it's, it's, it's team spirit. You know, We know how important that is. And pulling pulling together and not going everybody going their own individual way. Right. In fact, uh, Dale Carnegie, who everybody's acquainted with, asked me to be a, a, a trainer for them. Yeah. And I was considering it. But however, they wanted you to cr- recruit the people to attend. They didn't want to do that. And I felt I did enough of recruiting. Now, let me ask you one question. You mentioned... Uh, Earlier, that you like to give me, that you give me advice, considerable advice. Yeah, yeah. Is there a difference between management in a business capacity or professional or a professional sporting capacity and parenting or grandparenting? Well, yes, there's a difference. Sometimes I wonder if I, I have done the best job or not with my five children, and you find it's. Emotion comes into the picture with your family. Yeah. And you don't treat and talk to them the same way as you do to people that are working for you. Yeah. So that is the difference. It's a a large difference. So you find it more difficult and frustrating to say, why aren't the children responding more? And the reason they're responding is because I'm trying to help, they don't respond, they're trying to help them to attain their their actual goals yeah. in life, you know? And without, as a result of that goes money and, and fun and success. Yeah. So uh, Now if you all, if you could only if you could choose if you had to choose uh, to retain only one grandchild between me and my wife, who's now part of the family, if you had to choose one of us to to remain in the family who would you? That's a difficult question, uh, <laughs> Carson. However, at this point, I, I agree. I'm more 
in favor of her because she's getting not only a master's degree teaching uh, subjects and at the same time she's doing other things and I think she uh, despite these obstacles yeah she's accomplished her she's the granddaughter you never had the grandchild yeah yeah well I'm glad at least I could marry well grandpa <laughs> right that remains to be <laughs> proven eventually yeah well we'll see yeah. well uh, that's going to do it for us grandpa yeah. but it's been a real pleasure to have you uh, on this edition of Fangraphs Audio even though you don't entirely know what it is <laughs> I not entirely know but I got a pretty good suspicion <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I will tell the listeners uh, that that has been my grandfather, yeah. Philip Sestouli Sr. I have been his grandson and will continue to be his grandson, Carson Sestouli. And this has been Fangraphs Audio. Thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs>